Hey everybody, what's going on? Rob here, and I just want to give you a little bit of a heads up about what you are about to get into here today. So this podcast is actually two separate things that I'm going to talk about with Josh Wiggler. The first of these things is a top 10 list that Josh had written for Vulture.com about the top 10 greatest strategic moves in the history of Survivor. So we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to do something that's very fun that combines Survivor and Game of Thrones. And this actually turned out to be a much longer podcast than we originally anticipated. So I will have in the show notes where you, if you want to skip ahead to Game of Thrones, where that starts on robhasawebsite.com. Since this show is so long, let me just take care of one piece of business before we get into everything that you're about to hear and thank our sponsor, which is DraftKings.com. And for you guys who are fantasy baseball fans, uh, you should know that on opening day, DraftKings.com awarded over a half a million dollars in cash prizes, a half a million bucks in one day. And there's way more to come when you check out DraftKings.com, America's favorite one-day fantasy sports site. People there are winning hundreds, thousands, and even a million dollars with DraftKings watching their favorite sport and playing fantasy baseball. People have won a hundred grand in their first time ever playing a hundred grand on day one, playing one day fantasy sports at DraftKings.com. So that means no season long commitments, no being stuck with players, just instant cash for you every day. So you pick a team in minutes, any sports fan can do it. So right now, play for free to win real cash. Enter ROB at DraftKings.com and get free entry into next week's contest with 400 grand in guaranteed prizes. So hurry free spots are going quick enter rob now at draftkings.com draftkings.com and uh, we'll be talking about plenty of the kings the, the the war of the five kings and all that stuff when we get into game of thrones later on in this podcast and one other heads up before we start on friday night josh is going to have a very special podcast for you guys about the captain america winter soldier live on post show recaps it's one of our first post movie recaps that we've done on that site so josh is going to be live at 10 p.m eastern 7 p.m pacific uh to recap the new captain america movie if you haven't seen it yet you can watch it anytime over the weekend at postshowrecaps.com that should be a lot of fun and then of course on sunday night our game of thrones coverage kicks off with game of thrones live at 10 15 p.m eastern 7 15 p.m pacific after the premiere of game of thrones at postshowrecaps.com and here is my podcast today with josh wiggler all right everybody good morning we have a very special bonus survivor coverage we're an extended survivor coverage because uh you get two hours and 40 minutes of podcast on a thursday is not enough to cover survivor so we're back here with uh my good friend josh wiggler josh how are you i'm doing well rob how are you i'm doing great and josh i i've been rethinking things um i'm about ready to say uh you're my best friend and I talked to you probably, I've probably talked to you about three times as much as I've talked to my wife this week. Yeah, we've been talking a little bit. Um, yeah. My wife finds it awkward herself. So I, I think I'm ready to say the same for you, Rob. Yeah, we've been doing our Game of Thrones season three recaps all, all week long. We also did a 24 podcast recap and here we are now talking some Survivor. But it's been so much fun. It's been a good time. Uh, I have nothing better to do with my life anyway, Rob. So you're really helping me out here. Although I talked to, uh, and thank you very much, and I talked to my mom this morning, and she said, uh, well, I went to go put on one of your Game of Thrones recaps, because I wanted to catch up before the, se the, the season premiere on Sunday, and 
I didn't know it was going to be so long. I thought it was going to be like 10 minutes. I don't know why I wouldn't just rewatch the episode. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. I don't know how you could talk about Game of Thrones in 10 minutes. I feel like it's so convoluted that we almost need like a ne- an, an extra hour, I think, on, on each of these episodes. Yeah, I said, well, Mom, I, I think it's for, it's for the people who, you know, are at work or in their car. And it's like, you know, it's extra stuff. People who want to get more. I think if you were just looking to get in and out, there's probably better ways to do it. Yeah, I think it's like good nap listening music, you know, just like put put on a podcast and fall asleep. I feel like that's kind of my specialty. So, <laughs> all right, so we'll, that my mom thinks we need maybe need to rethink uh, how we're covering the the Game of Thrones. But uh, so, uh, but I've heard all other positive feedback. That's great. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate the criticism, though. I, I'll I'll take that note. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so what we're going to do here today is we're going to so we're going to start off in the survivor world. Then we're going to sort of uh, straddle the fence between the survivor world and the Game of Thrones world. Of course, the Game of Thrones season four premiere is on Sunday night on HBO. And Josh and I are covering Game of Thrones on my scripted TV website, which is postshowrecaps.com. Josh and I will be every Sunday night live 10, 15 p.m. Eastern, 7, 15 p.m. Pacific at Post Show Recaps, bringing you our Survivor Know-It-Alls type recap of each episode of Game of Thrones. So yes. that should be a, a lot of fun. I'm very much looking forward to that. We just finished our season three rewatch. We're actually going to be finishing it later today at Post Show Recaps. And Josh, our Game of Thrones podcast is uh, doing uh, gangbusters. I saw yesterday it was the number five podcast in TV and films. Uh, on iTunes? On iTunes, yeah. That's fantastic. We've, we've climbed the wall. We're at the top. <laughs> we're at the top of the wall. All well, right. we're almost there. We're getting there. Now, the great thing about Josh is that he uh, covers uh, so, so many different things. We're actually we're talking about 20, 24 on post-show recaps. We're talking about, uh, we just finished uh, talking about The Walking Dead. But Josh is also a huge Survivor nerd and uh, has been blogging about Survivor on robinswebsite.com for the past three seasons? Is it two yeah, or three? Yeah, I think since since caramo and and infrequently this season i apologize for that yeah well one of the great things that josh did was that he had an article published on vulture.com on the top 10 best strategic moves ever on survivor and so i figured that we should at least go through josh's list and talk about what was on the list how we got there and the things that got left off of the list to start sure uh yeah and i also should say that um you know, top 10 lists, they're always, you know, everyone always has their opinion. Everyone always has uh, what they would like to see on these types of lists. But I, I just want to make it clear that I'm very much aware that my list of the top 10 strategic moves on Survivor is uh, very much the definitive list. And it's, oh. it's, it's indisputable. And this is the one. All right. So just from that's the not true. Big I'm, picture, I'm just joking. I'm joking. In the broad strokes. So when you went through this list and said, OK, these are the top 10 best uh, strategic moves ever. When you say they were the best, they were these were the best to watch. These were the best from a historical perspective or these were the best for the people who did them. I tried to uh, represent a few different walks of Survivor, I think. Um, you know, there was the historical thing was very much on my mind. Uh, you'll see that three of the, of the top spots um, in that top five are from, you know, before All-Stars, which I think is really, you know, the classic era of Survivor. But I wanted to represent every era of Survivor because I think um, what a lot of people, you know, this article is being read by a lot of people, I think, that haven't necessarily been following Survivor from day one. Maybe they dropped out. Um, maybe, you know, they're just getting back in. Um, and I think it's important to remind people that 
this game never really slowed down. You can make an argument that, you know, Fiji isn't so great or Guatemala isn't so great, even though I love those seasons. Uh, maybe that middle era kind of has a little bit of wonkiness. I think that Survivor has been really consistently smart and compelling pretty much from day one. So I really wanted to represent uh, all of the different generations of Survivor. So that was a consideration. Um, and another consideration was, yes, entertainment value I think is huge. Uh, people making moves that uh, are, are big and bold and don't necessarily pay off in the way that they want them to, but the intent behind the moves. Um, and I, again, I honestly wish that this had been like a top 20 or top 25 because there were so many moves that I wish that I could have included, but you know, you can only get 10 in there and I, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. All right. Do you want to give us some honorable mentions or do you want to give us the list and tell us what didn't make the cut? Um, sure. I could give you the, I can start with the list. Why don't we start with what's, what's on there? All right, what's on the list. Okay. Um, number 10, do you want to do the, do you want to do the preamble? Do you want me to do the, the, the setup and then you, uh, explain more? How should we do this? Sure. Why don't you, why don't you set it up and I'll, I'll knock it down. All right. Uh, number 10 comes to us. Number 10. Uh, it comes to us, uh, not that far, not that long ago. It's actually, uh, in the twenties in the seasons, uh, it is uh, not one that I would uh, think of off the top of my head when I come up with the great strategic moves, but it is a very fun one to talk about. Uh, it comes to us uh, at a proper week in the historical perspective of a merge episode, and it's Boston Rob voting out Matt Elrod upon returning from Redemption Island in season 22. Yes, and uh, I know that Redemption Island is not a beloved season, and uh, it is not my favorite either. I think I like it more than the average Survivor fan, um, just because I, I am a big Boston Rob fan, and I think that he plays a fantastic game. Uh, and you know, another thing on this was that I didn't want to, um, you know, I didn't want to repeat uh, duplicate players too much, and you know, if. if Parvati is on the list a couple of times, but she's more of an assist on one of these. Uh, so I really wanted to kind of represent one Boston Rob move on here. And I think this is my favorite. I, I think that uh, the idea to cut the swing out of the equation here when, when Matt was being so fickle, when Matt came to him uh, saying that I, I can basically, you know, I'm in a position to ruin your game, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be loyal to you. Uh, I, I just think that it was, a, it was a really smart move. It was a really exciting move in what was shaping up to be kind of a very straightforward season. So uh, I, I really love this move, and I'm, I'm glad to have it on the list. Boston Rob hated Matt Elrod. Really? Yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he hated him as a person, but Boston Rob, I think, still looked at him as like, this is the... Hey, this is the one guy that could really create problems for me. And and two times he had to just get rid of him. Like, uh, even though he was on his own tribe, he was loyal to him. And two times he said, yeah, that's not going to work. And both times he just got, got rid of Matt Elrod, blindsided the guy, same guy twice. Yeah, and I think it's just, it's a nice testament to how much of an unsentimental game uh, Boston Rob plays. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't play with his heart, he plays with his head. And, you know, there was, I think it was even Julie says, that poor kid, when Matt gets voted out and sent right back to Redemption Island. And that's not a consideration for Boston Rob, and I think that makes him, you know, maybe a, a cold Survivor player, but a, a really good Survivor player. Yeah, lots of people have been voted out twice, but I don't think anybody else has been blindsided twice in the same season by the same person. Like, I think Burton, I think, got blindsided twice, but it was by at least by different people. I guess Sandra was uh, actually I'm not even sure if Sandra was in the, in the mix. Uh, I guess she was in the mix both times. But um, 
it just for Boston Rob to be at the head of both these things at the same time. It's, it's a tough pill to swallow. It's it's hard. I think that's tough. Uh, and, you know, you can make the argument that Rob wasn't playing necessarily against the shrewdest survivor players of all time. I think that that's a very fair thing to say. Uh, but I, I still don't think you can you can knock results. And as I wrote in the article, this is very much one of the most dominant wins in, in the show's history. I think uh, in the, you know, pretty much in, in my top three of the most dominant wins of, of, of Survivor. All right. Speaking of Survivor Pearl Islands, that's where you go for the number nine best strategic move. And I think this is actually a fun one to talk about because uh, I'd like to get into what exactly the strategic benefits were because it was a great TV moment. The dead grandma lie checks in at number nine. Yeah, I actually almost wish that I had put this a little higher. There was there was an earlier version of the list where this was a couple notches up. Um, and I I love this move. Uh, you know, I think Fair Play is an underrated player. Obviously, he's he's a Survivor Hall of Famer these days. Yes. Um, but I, I think that uh, that he was really smart. Uh, you know, he played a very shrewd game. Um, you know, was very, very into the strategy of, of Survivor. And I think that that's overlooked kind of when when put up against his sort of scoundrel persona, which I think is what he's more famous for these days. Um, but I I love this move and I don't think it pays off tremendously well for him. But that's what I'm, I'm talking about uh, before is how that's not as important to me as the idea behind the move. And I think that just the fact that this was something that was fully orchestrated before the game even began, you know, this is a plan that he concocted with, you know, his buddy who was going to be on the family visit challenge if he was so if he was lucky to make it that far. Uh, I think that that was just absolutely genius and uh, to my mind was unprecedented at the time. Um, and I don't think that it's something that could be repeated. Uh, and I, I think that it, it very much deserves a spot on this list. Yeah, it was brilliant. It was great TV. It was great theater. But if Johnny Fairplay doesn't do the dead grandma lie, does the game turn out any differently for him? I don't think necessarily it does. Um, I think maybe at that point he had already done enough damage uh, socially in that game that it, it wasn't going to move the needle too much either way. Uh, but I think that um, you know it was you know before the game began just to have the foresight that this is a move that I can make later on, but I have to make it now. I think that's what's really interesting about the move. Oh, sure, sure. And it's the foresight and the thinking out of the box. That That's all great stuff. I just don't know how many how many dividends. Now, outside the game, it, you know, was huge dividends for Johnny Fairplay. And really, the guy, you know, made a somewhat of a career off that off that one brilliant idea in the actual game of Survivor Pearl Islands, but it depends on, you know, where we're coming from with the list. Yeah, and I think that that's actually a really good point, is that this this move uh, maybe didn't win him Survivor, but it paid off humongously for him. Uh, so I, 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 think it's a, I think it's a really shrewd move um, that, that didn't necessarily topple any giants or anything like that, but uh, it was a fantastic TV moment and had some really interesting thinking behind it. Yeah, all right. Number eight on the list is also from the not too distant past. Uh, it had a, a great music video attached to it with people made of Lego. You go up with a hold up bro from Survivor Caramoan. I love hold up bro. I thought that this was the moment of Caramoan for me. A lot of people say that it's the Three Amigos Tribal Council where, where Malcolm protects himself and, and has Reynolds and Eddie protected as well, and they get Philip out of there. I think that's great, too. 
Uh, as I wrote in, in this entry, uh, I think all of Malcolm's plays with the idol are worthy of talking about uh, when you're talking about some of the best moves of the game. Uh, but this, to me, was just brilliant. You know, Malcolm's sniffing out that somebody in his alliance is in danger. He thinks that it's himself. Uh, he's wrong about that. But Reynolds goes up to play the idol for himself, and Malcolm says, hold up, bro. I'm the one in danger. Play that idol on me, and you're going to be fine. And Reynolds does it. And what if Reynolds doesn't do it? Then Malcolm takes out his own idol and plays it on himself. But why not go for it? Why not ask the guy to just use that thing on me? Protect me, man. I really need your help right now. Uh, and I thought that that was ballsy as hell, very bold, uh, very, very uh, big move on Malcolm's part. And um, again, you know, wanting to kind of represent the back half of Survivor, I think that it's really interesting and exciting that that kind of move happens 26 seasons into the show's run was was really exciting for me to watch. So just refresh my memory with this. So the big Stealth R Us Alliance, who they were, that's Michael Snow got voted off of that tribal council, right? Michael Snow goes home here, yeah. And that's and that's who the target was all along the people. There was no, like, this week at tribal council, like, vote the other one. There was no switching of the votes. They just misread um, who the target was. Right. Stealth or us knew uh, that they were voting for Michael the whole time. I'm pretty sure that that's the case. Okay, so why do you feel like that, that was such a great strategic move? Yeah, I, I think again, I think that it's it's Malcolm recognizing that there's that there's danger in the air. He read the signs correctly that he was on the outside of the Stealth or us alliance, that he was on the on the receiving end of of, uh, you know, who they were going after. He just misread that he was the one who was going to be going home. I think that the move is to convince Reynolds to not protect himself and to protect Malcolm instead, I just think was, was huge and bold and uh, really excellent TV and really excellent thinking on Malcolm's part, even if he, even if he read it wrong. But I, I think it would have been hard to figure out that Michael was going to be the one who was going home. Yeah, those two weeks for me between this tribal council and then the following one, the three amigos tribal council, I feel like was the, you know, the peak of enjoyment for Survivor Caramoan. And, and yeah, those absolutely. two back to back. It's almost like it's hard to separate them. Yeah, yeah, they're very closely linked. Uh and it it was tough to have to choose one over the other, but I I think that this is the one that I just I I love this move so much. And I think it I think it was great. All right. Well, Mr. Survivor himself, Malcolm Freeberg, uh, will join me on Rob has a podcast this upcoming Thursday, so we're very excited for that. Oh, great. Can't wait to listen. All right. This one is comes to us from a final tribal council. Uh a man who has been through a lot lately, but he's back. Todd Herzog in the Survivor China finale. Yeah, I think that when you think about final Tribal Council performances, uh, for me, there's two that I think about. I think about this one, and I think about Chris at Vanuatu, um, and in terms of players who just absolutely annihilate their competition at final Tribal Council. But here, for, for Todd in China, um, I, I just think about the tone that he sent uh, with that first conversation, uh, that first line of inquiry from Jean Robert uh, and Jean Robert being all upset about having been voted out and betrayed by Todd, uh, you know, really trying to understand why did you vote me out? I'm, I'm in a predicament here. I, I don't feel like I can vote for you. And Todd just completely flipping the situation around and very clearly outlining why he had to vote Jean Robert out while kind of sucking up to him at the same time. You know, it's it's uh, you know, it's uh, it's the honest answer, but he says it in a way that's 
that's very much phrasing it the way that Jean Robert wants to hear. And that's kind of the way that Todd answers everybody at this tribal council. You know, Frosty's like, would we be bros outside of this game? Todd's, oh, of course we'd be bros outside of this game. And I just think that the way that he handled that final tribal council and the way that he kind of um, manipulated the flow of that night not only made him look so strong, but it forced, uh, you know, Courtney and Amanda really didn't have any arguments to make. There was nothing that they could say to get, you know, the win here. Um, you know, Courtney snags some votes, but it's, it's pretty much uh, a blowout. Uh, and I, I just think that it, it's worth recognizing that the game can still be won in those final moments. You know, Probst always likes to say at the final tribal council, now all of the power has shifted to the, to the jury. And that's not quite right, I don't think. I think it's close to, to right, but there are still a few moves that you can still make at that final tribal council. And I think that this is the best example of that. I agree. And I think that Todd really laid out the blueprint, which unfortunately not too many other survivors or Big Brother final final tribal, whatever they call it, final vote people have seemed to nail down that it's all about ownership and accountability. And I think that you see a lot of people get into like, oh, yeah, no, I'm sorry I did that thing to you, but... You know, I, it's, it's about, yes, I did that to you. You were going to, you were going to beat me and I had to get you before you got me. And, you know, I, you know, I, I may feel bad that that happened, but it was something I needed to do to get here. And I was, you know, I was willing to do that. And, you know, if you can't give me your, your vote, then I understand it, but I own what I did and I'm not sorry that I had to do what I did, you know? Yeah. Definitely. And I think another good example of that would be actually um, uh, JT and Token Chains uh, in terms of playing at Final Tribal Council. I feel like he really gets inside of Fishback's head there. Uh, and not that he wasn't going to walk away with the win anyway, but I, I think it's always interesting to see a player still playing the game at Final Tribal Council. And that, that's another one that almost made this list. You know, Cochran was good too, and Tyson was good. Yeah, exactly. So I think maybe people are star. Maybe there'll be an evolution of this. Like if you get to a final tribal council and all three, it seems like there's only tends and maybe it's the editing. It seems like there's only one person who tends to have get it. Um, coach is the, did it wrong, you know, where he was like talking about how I had honor, I had integrity, I had, you know, he did the opposite of this. So I wonder if you ever have a tribal council where there's like two or three of the people that are all doing this. I wonder if there'll be an evolution of it. Like what's the next level of this? Yeah, I very, and you know what? I would not be surprised to see that moment come up sometime sooner rather than later. And I think, uh, you know, that's a, that's a good segue in, into number six where, where Survivor is just still shocking this late into the game. All right. You're going back in very fitting on a week where I talked to Laura Moret and Sierra Easton on the podcast. You're going back to season, uh, 27, Blood versus Water, rocking the vote, you call it. That's what I called it. And, uh, I, I love this move. I cannot even tell you how much I love this move. Um, I think I, I couldn't get off of Twitter that night tweeting at Hayden Moss how much I loved him and I would leave my wife for him and then Kat started getting in there. And <laughs> yeah, but you I, didn't make I, the merge. I didn't make the merge. I didn't make it on the show, so I'm, I'm disqualified from the running. But uh, I, I, uh, I loved this move. I thought that this was brilliant. Um, I, I don't feel maybe I gave enough credit to Sierra in this write-up too, and so here and now I would like to say I think Sierra is instrumental in this in this vote. Um, but I think that it it just speaking of you know changing the game at Tribal Council, this is such a game changer. Walking into this Tribal Council, it should be a, a lights out vote 
uh, for Hayden to, to be sent to Redemption Island. And here he comes in with a compelling argument for Sierra to flip, uh, to open her eyes and make her realize that she's the one who is going to be on the bottom of, of, of her four-person alliance and that now is the time to make a move uh, so that she has a resume to, to present to the jury if she's so lucky to make it there. Uh, and she bites and, and she goes with it. And the, really the, the beauty of it is that Hayden completely protects himself in this move. You know, he convinces Sierra to expose herself to a, to a 33% chance of going home when she's 100% secure and he's 100% going home. And I just think that it's, it's so brilliant and so flashy. And again, Katie's the one who gets sent packing, and that is less interesting to me than the move itself. I think that enough can't be said um, for how big of a move this was for Hayden to pull off. Um, and uh, for it to happen, you know, 14 years into Survivor, for me, is a reason why anytime people come up to me and say, you're still watching Survivor? This is what I would point to is last season, something crazy happened that has never happened before. And I would have never guessed was going to happen. And here it is. And here it was. And it was freaking brilliant. So I've got nothing but mad love for the Hayden Moss rock vote. I think it's so good. Yeah, Hayden was great. And you're right. We have to give Sierra credit as well to be able to say, okay, if I stick with what I'm doing, I have a 100% chance to make it to final four, but that's probably going to be the end of my game. If I do the, if I do this move now, you know, I have a 33% chance to knock out Tyson. But if I do knock out Tyson, like I have a very good chance to win the game. So. Yeah. And not only that, even if she make, makes it to the final four, maybe she makes it to the final three. But what does she say that she's done when she gets there? She, she has no big moves under her belt. And this was a huge move uh, that if she made it to the end, she could say, I put my neck on the line uh, to get you know, a, a guaranteed spot at the final three. And here I am. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that she should get a lot of credit for this move. And one more thing. I think you have to give Tyson some credit here also because... Tyson also played the correct move. This was like the rare instance on Survivor where every person involved did the best move for them. And this is what it came, what it came down to. Whereas nobody got played here where Tyson also realizes, Hey, I've got a 66% chance of this going in my favor by going to the rocks and I'm willing to go to the rocks. And we talked about this yesterday where Sierra didn't think that Tyson would go to rocks for Monica. He didn't think that Tyson cared enough about getting to the final three with Monica to do that for her. And Tyson felt like this is my shot. This is my final three. I have to protect it. And I'm willing to draw rocks for this. So it was just a perfect tribal council. Yeah, it was a great move for Tyson. It was a great move for Jervis because this is Jervis's only chance to get Tyson out of the game. So Jervis is on the sidelines encouraging everyone to go for it. It's a it's a great tribal council. I think it's it's a great move, but it's a fantastic tribal council and one of my favorites of all time. Okay, so all right, let's go to one of my favorites of all time. (laughs) Of course. Okay, Um, you go from uh, rocking the vote and uh, you try to you keep a theme here. And you're going back to Survivor the Amazon for what you call robbing the vote. Yes, uh, and we're talking about uh, about you swinging from alliance to alliance, which which uh, I think is is a formative move for the show. So in the top five, there's there's two moves that I think are flashy and explosive that are that are built on um, sort of the the legs of everything that's come before in Survivor, and then there are three in here that I think are foundational Survivor moves, and I, w- I would. 
qualify what you did here as a foundational survivor move. It, it paved the way for people to realize that you don't have to play specifically by alliance, that alliances are a fluid concept, that you can, you can gather people who are uh, in a weaker spot and you can, you, can turn them into, uh, you can turn them into sitting in an advantageous uh, position. Um, and I think, uh, I, you know, mad respect from going from voting Alex out, who was, you know, Jenna and Heidi's, uh, you know, basically their god out there, and then getting them back on your side to get rid of the person that they wanted out more than you, I thought was was absolutely brilliant. Well, can we put this in the kind? Everybody knows the story with with me on Survivor of the Amazon, but can we put this in the context of the current day Survivor of with Cass? I mean, now where I started this sort of, you know, swinging back and forth at seven, at six, at five, and it was hard for me to get to the, to the finals, even though, you know, I think if, if things had broken my way as far as what the challenges were, I think I still would have been able to do it. And it's another story whether I could have won, but for Cass to start this journey at 11, do you think could Cass swing back somehow and get in good graces of people? Like if she's able to do something like what, what I did in Survivor the Amazon and is able to come up with a configuration of, okay, I'm going to vote with on this next vote. I'm going to vote with Spencer, Tasha, Trish, and Wu or whatever. And, and we'll be able to win back some of the love from people of all the people I just screwed over. So I'll say a few things. The first thing being that everything I've predicted about this season so far, I have been completely wrong. So everything I'm about to say is probably not going to happen. Um, so there's that. And then the other thing I would say is I think that she has made a move that uh, very kind of objectively does not make any kind of sense. Um, you know, she has flipped basically out of emotion. She did not trade up her position. She traded down in a very big way. She has angered uh, half of the people still playing in this game. Uh, and you need those votes to be able to win in the end. Um, so I think, first of all, she's just really shot herself in the foot in terms of her chances to win the game. But as for people wanting to work with her going forward, you know, maybe there's going to come a situation where, you know, Spencer or Jeremiah or somebody, if that alliance is the one that's about to be really picked off, as it certainly looks like it could be, um, maybe those guys are going to find themselves in a position where they have to work with Cass if, if, you know, that's the situation, if they need the number and if Cass is the one who's willing to flip flop back and forth. Um, but even then, I kind of doubt it, not just because of, you know, the animosity that might be there, but also because how do you trust this person ever again when she has made such a bad, bad move, not just for your game, but for her game? Um, so I think, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a very tough road to hoe for, uh, for Cass here. Especially if you're Spencer, because it's twice she's done this to him, where exactly. she was on the Garrett vote, too. She was with them and she flips. Yeah, I think that Spencer's going to have a very difficult time trusting Cass. Uh, frankly, I think that the people that Cass flipped over to are going to have a very difficult time trusting Cass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's going to be, uh, it's pretty soon it's going to be Cass's only move to at least attempt to continue flip, flipping and, uh, you know, changing things up multiple times. The question is, are people going to be wanting to work with her or willing to work with her? And I would bet very much no. Okay. Actually, I think the person who was probably in the best position to do what I did in the Amazon, I think was actually Sarah, who, uh, like myself, at when we got down to seven, realized that, hey, I'm better off with this configuration of four than this configuration of four. And I think that she felt like, oh, I'm actually better off with this configuration of six 
of the Brains and Jeremiah and Morgan as opposed to the Tony, Trish, you know, LJ group because she felt like this was a weaker group that she was going with. So I think she was trying to go with the weaker people like I was trying to do in Survivor of the Amazon, but she made the mistake of letting everybody know that she was the swing vote and that sort of got her into trouble. Yeah, I think so too. And then one more thing to say about Cass here is the only way that I kind of understand what she did is now the threat of idols are out there. Uh, you know, Tony presents his idol, says he's going to play it, doesn't announce who he's going to play it on. All of the, uh, you know, Cass's alliance now know that they're going to be voting for Jeffra, but Cass knows that if she votes for Sarah, it is a 100% guaranteed sure thing that Cass stays in the game. So I guess that's the only thing that I can kind of think of that makes sense of the Sarah vote out. But I still think just the way that it happened, the way it shook out, it was such an emotionally charged tribal council that I think that this is uh, irreversible damage that she's uh, that she's done to her game. Okay, let's move on to number four. And this comes to us from season 16, Fans versus Favorites. Uh, everybody knows what it is already. Uh, it is what you call the Reichenbach job. Yes, like the Italian job, you know, one of one of these one of these great heists. Uh, and I I feel bad for Eric. I really like Eric a lot. Um, you love I, Eric Reichenbach. I, for I'm the a record. big fan of Eric Reichenbach. I actually in Micronesia, um, I rewatched it in its entirety uh, either earlier this year or late last year. I can't really remember. It was it was um, it was not long ago, uh, and I was really impressed with Eric's game basically up until this moment. You know, he's he. He convinces his tribe to get rid of Amy. You know that was that was that was a lot on Erica's and and the arguments that he made. He was a fantastic challenge competitor. Uh, I really like his you know just point and shoot and I will go in that direction attitude. I, I think that that works in his favor really well. But there's there's really no denying that this was a, a fairly boneheaded move. But uh, I I think that you know. When people talk about uh, what happened to Eric in Micronesia, I feel like a lot of people talk about how it was the dumbest move ever. It was the it was the worst decision any Survivor player has ever made. And I don't think that nearly enough credit uh, goes to the success of the move rather than the failure on Eric's part. I think what Sari and Natalie and Parvi and, and Amanda pulled off was uh, nothing short of the greatest heist in Survivor history. Uh, and uh, I think I think the move speaks for itself personally. <laughs> Yeah, a bunch of of horrible women just <laughs> just you know really just badgered him into submission. <laughs> give yeah. us your give, you know give us your necklace. If you don't do it, we're gonna be mad at you. We're yeah. gonna be mad at you. You're never gonna win the game. This is your only chance to win. And they just they just brainwashed him. Yeah, it was it's tough. You know, he's all on his own out there. He's he's never played the game before. He's up against three returnees and one one other uh new player who's, you know, really in tight with those with those women. Uh, not and, only that, three Survivor Hall of Famers. We, yeah, we might exactly. we might add, you know. You know, these are these are, you know, creme de la creme of, of Survivor and uh, you know, as much as I love Eric, he's not on that level and I think you know, I, I have no idea what I would have done in that situation. I'd like to think I would have held on to my idol because I'd like to think that I'd be better at playing Survivor than that, but I truly don't know. I have no idea. And I think, um, you know, it's easy to judge from, from the couch, but I think in the moment, uh, the pressure that Sari and Natalie and Parvi and Amanda, the pressure that they were putting on Eric and, and the way that they were, you know, phrasing their argument 
was just stupendous and stupefying and and fantastic and very hard to resist, probably. So uh, kudos to those ladies for, I once again, the greatest heist in Survivor history by miles and miles. And in fairness to Eric, he's the one guy in this alliance of four women and so he's it's one versus four this was a hail mary on on his part i mean of course you know maybe he's you know he could win the final immunities but i think he was trying at least to win the game it wasn't like he was you know you understand where he was coming from at least kind of yeah i mean (laughs) (laughs) just to give eric at least uh some some credit here sure no i think that he thought that this was would be something that he could say you know if he if he had survived the vote he could continue on to the final tribal and say well hey here's a really risky thing that i did but uh it turns out he shouldn't have done the risky thing yeah and he i think he also thought that it was going to be something that he also like got you know got goodwill from this group to yeah. continue working with him as opposed to you know w- whatever yeah you know that, that's where the you know that's where the, his logic was coming from you know it's sort of like the JT uh, sends a note to Russell thing it's the same idea right exactly okay number three you go to a uh, what I think is a really huge moment in the show you go back to Survivor Marquesas and the fall of the Road to Four. Yeah, uh, I I love this. Uh, I love Survivor Marquesas, classic Survivor. Uh, and the thing is, I love everybody in this equation. You know, Tammy was my pick to win the season. I loved John Carroll. Uh, I love Tammy. You know, at, at this point in Survivor, you'd been conditioned to believe that the majority alliance is the team that's going to take it all the way to the top. So you're not necessarily watching Survivor for the big moves. You're kind of watching Survivor, you know, a lot for the adventure, a lot for the character work. The game itself almost seems like a foregone conclusion sometimes. You know, when Baran goes into the merge in Africa with, you know, six to four, I think it was, it's pretty much no question that someone from Baran's going to win the game. Uh, and I think, you know, especially with Marquesas, when it was Rotu at seven and Maraamu at three, uh, and then they get rid of Boston Rob and it's now seven to two, it seems like there's no doubt in your mind that a Rotu is going to win this season, and it's probably going to be someone from John's alliance, but not so fast. And this is the first... Uh, real power reversal in Survivor history. Uh, and I think, you know, for me, to, to spoil the list a little bit, we're going to get to Hatch in a second. I think that these two uh, are, these are the two building blocks of Survivor for me is, you know, one, you have the alliance, you need an alliance, you need, you need a voting block. But two is to never forget that you can always do something. You can always change your game. You can always uh, find a way to, to suck the power out of the situation and, and use it to your advantage. Uh, and so the you know the whole the the people like Kathy and and Pappy and Nalia teaming up with Sean and V, I think the importance of how that plays out in the future of Survivor from that moment on can't be understated. And um, there's no list of best strategic moves that doesn't have this in the top three for me. It, there was no version of this that didn't have this right here at the top. Yeah, I think the evolution is really you know in Survivor the first in Survivor Borneo you've established oh you need an alliance okay. Yeah. And then in in Survivor Marquesas, it was sort of like the you know the the idea of the pecking order was really uh, built here, and it was like you know Kathy and Pascal and Nalia said, okay, well, what if we take our three and we're at the we're at the bottom, and then we take you know Sean and V's two, and we have five, and they have four, 
Right. And that was where this idea sort of came from. And then Survivor Amazon, it was sort of the idea of the individual. You know, it was even like a more micro level than what happened here in Marquesas, where it was right. like, instead of like R3 and R2, it was like, okay, well, I'm four, they're five, six, seven. Why don't I go with, you know, take five, six, seven and go and well, let's be a new four. Yeah. Yeah. And no one had thought that way before. Uh, and you know, who knows how long it would have taken to get to that point. I think probably not terribly long. Uh, but this is where it happened and this is where it starts and it changes the way Survivors played for the rest of the game. This, I, I, rem- I remember watching this episode and being like, oh my God, that everything is, everything is different. Cause I remember in like Survivor, I guess it was in Survivor Australia. Like I had said, I was like, well, why don't Jerry and Amber go with, you know, go with, um, uh, Roger and Elizabeth and right. whatever. And why don't they, why don't they vote out Tina and Colby and Keith? And, um, you know, I was sort of like, well, yeah, they could, they could win, they could win the game if they go over with them. And it just it was never, it, you know, it was people there weren't even thinking this. No, no one was playing that way uh, un- until this moment. And I wonder, actually, well, maybe you just answered my question. Do you think that you could have played the way that you had played if you hadn't seen this season, if this hadn't happened already? This was, you know, I saw I saw this, and this was very much in my mind when when I got there. So I guess it all it all is building blocks because this was very much in my mind uh, in in the Amazon when we got to that point. So I felt like um, probably not. You know, yeah. had I just been dropped off, if I played Survivor the Amazon after seeing Survivor Australia, I think it would be still it would be a different game. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that once people saw that this was a possibility, uh, you know, it didn't change the game every single time, uh, you know, for the for the seasons afterwards. But I think, you know, it happened in your season and there was a lot of this in in seven and, of course, in eight. Uh, And I think that people started, you know, it started to catch fire, this idea of you don't just have to play a straightforward game. Uh, And I I think it all starts with uh, with uh, poor John Carroll's demise. Yeah. And Johnny Fairplay had watched Survivor the Amazon and he said that a light bulb went off for him when he watched our season and said, oh, that's how you play the game. And then their season has all this crazy uh, flip flopping. And so, you know, it all it all builds on each other, especially when you have people who know the show in the game. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's probably, you know, in the in the middle ages, I feel like we have a lot of recruits in the mix. And I kind of feel like the evolution of the game, I feel like gets a little gets a little slowed down by the influx of all the recruits that come in. But I feel like the people, the students of the game continue to evolve the game as it goes forward. Yeah, and I think that you're seeing that, uh, you know, in some of these later seasons now. I feel like, you know, uh, with with the Hayden stuff, somebody who who has experience playing these shows before, uh, you know, I think I, I think that there's a reason. You know, Malcolm is is somebody who's a, a you know day one fan of Survivor. Uh, so I think that you're starting to see New a blood. little bit more of that. Yeah, and I think I think it's it's the best thing that could happen for this show is, is uh, the show kind of going back to these people who who clearly love and have watched uh, Survivor. Okay. Well, we've touched on this before. Richard Hatch in the first season uh, invents the first alliance. You have it number two. Yes. Uh, and again, I think, you know, just very straightforward, formative survivor playing. Without the alliance building, there is no survivor. Uh, and I mean that in a lot of ways. I think that uh, not just in terms of how to play survivor, but I think, you know, if, if the first season of survivor plays any differently other than, you know, kind of 
the bad guys winning in a sense because I think that a lot of people loved Pagong when when the show was on and you know one by one by one they all go down because Hatch has this you know phalanx like alliance that's just completely unbreakable even though these people don't necessarily love each other I think is is crucial to the show's success uh, on an entertainment level and on a gameplay level um, and you know maybe not the sexiest uh, move of all time maybe not the flashiest move of all time but among the very, 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 very most important moves of all time, and I think it's it's hard to argue that. Well, it is the flashiest, as in that Richard Hatch will flash you. It's pretty flashy <laughs> in that sense. It's very, very flashy, and, pretty, and again, pretty fleshy and flashy. You know, I think that so much in the last fourteen years has been talked about this of how those guys really defined the game in that in that first season. Whereas. Like, you know, let's say if Richard Hatch wasn't on that season and, you know, somebody else was put in his place, would there be a Toggy Alliance? I'm not sure, perhaps. But if there, let's say hypothetically there wasn't and, you know, you sort of had like this mishmash of people like uh, if Gretchen wins the season and it was sort of like, you know, more survivalist. I think the whole trajectory of the show is much different. Yeah, there's a parallel universe where that's the case and it is not uh, a, a show that is producing blindside after blindside every week and um you know maybe that's a show that i that i would watch but i don't think it's a show that would be fast approaching season 30 but i think it would get there eventually like i think that uh, there would be whether it happens in survivor australia or whether it happens you know in in the third season somebody eventually says oh you know i'm gonna take this block of people and they're gonna run the table yeah, impossible to say. And you know, we we don't we don't live in that world. We live in the world where where Richard Hatch showed everybody how it's done. So I think that you can't um, you can't not give props to what he did. Yeah, what a sliders episode that would be where Richard Hatch yes. wasn't on the first Survivor. Yeah, I would I would watch the hell out. Uh, of that. The crying man would be devastated. That would be a great post show recap. Yeah. All right. So let's go to number one on the list, which is a. A great move. You have it here in Survivor 20, Parvati Kills the Heroes. Yes. And I think that, you know, this is the one that I've, I've heard some, some pushback on is everyone's going to have their, their own number one. Everyone's going to have their own favorite strategic move. Um, I, I really, 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 truly love this move for so many reasons. I think that it, it builds on a lot of those building blocks that we talked about, uh, builds on the idea that you, you need an alliance, you need a voting block in order to get yourself further in the game. Um, you, you know, this is the stage of, of Survivor where idols are in play. Um, and not only that, but this is top level Survivor. This is, you know, 20 contestants at the start of the season and all of them have played at least once, some of them twice. So I feel like this is, you know, and you could make the argument that not all of them were, you know, necessarily the, the greatest all-stars that have, that have ever played Survivor, but they all have experience. How dare They're, you? There are no there are no newbies. It is it is completely uh, veterans through and through, uh, and that is that is a hard thing to to compete against, and especially hard to compete against when you're Parvati, who who won Micronesian in such a memorable way, uh, and she's targeted all throughout this season. Everybody wants her gone at every turn. You know, she's kind of like the the most beautiful cockroach on the planet, surviving every time. Um, that's and not, that's not very flattering. She's very, very attractive, cockroach, um, and she's also at the number one spot here. So I think that you know she can she can take the compliment. Uh, but no, I think that what Parvati does here is is just incredible. Uh, you know, reads the situation completely correctly. That you know Amanda is trying to get her to play 
her immunity idol for herself so that she wastes the idol and so that it goes to somebody else. She's lucky enough to have that second idol courtesy of uh, JT passing it over, which you know could be in the conversation for one of the more boneheaded moves in Survivor history. Um, and she reads the situation correctly. It's a, it's a five to five vote. Uh, she plays the idol not on herself, but on Sandra and plays the other one on Jerry, leaves herself completely open. So just in case Amanda, her old friend that she had made it to the final two with, just in case she was telling her the truth, Parvati would have gone home here. Uh, and she doesn't. Uh, and at this you know, point, the, the villains, they sweep the rest of the season. I mean, uh, Danielle goes down a little bit early because of Russell's wrath. But other than that, it's the villains all the way to the top. And that does not happen without Parvati pulling this move off. Uh, and I think, you know, 20 seasons into the game, 10 years into the, into the show, uh, for, for this to be the move uh, really impresses the hell out of me. Um, and I, I, still, I still wish that Parvati had won the season. I love Sandra too, so I'm not upset about it. But uh, I just think for me that this, was, this is how Survivor is played. It's a, it's a bold move. It's exciting television. It's brilliantly thought out. Uh, it's super risky. It's everything that Survivor is about, uh, you know, from day one to, you know, year 14. Uh, so I, I think that this for me is very easily my number one. Okay. Well, I can't, you know, quibble with that being on the list. I mean, if you wanted to get into nitpicking, oh, that should be three, that should be four, but that was a, a great move. And I, I just remember I saw Parvati the week that that was on. Just like, how did you know that they were going to like, that was so, right. that was so ballsy. And she's like, I just knew, I just knew. Um, yeah. So uh, and I think that instinct is is a huge part of the game, and uh, she she read it correctly and and had a feeling, and she went with her gut, and the rest is history. Okay. Um, in true Rob has a podcast fashion, we spent so much time on this. Uh, <laughs> I know we have a, a whole other topic that we want to get to. Let me just give you some. Let me give you some things. I know you have a list of snubs, uh, and uh. I don't know if you want to just uh, shoot these things down or let me give you some other potentials for the yeah, list. Why don't I hear yours? Because the bottom line with what didn't make my list is that it could have gone on for a very long time. You know, I think those top five spots for me were very much cemented. And then uh, from, you know, the Hayden vote and onward was a long, long conversation with myself yeah. uh, about what makes the list. So there's a ton that would be on here. So I'm actually just curious to hear what you have. All right, how about some notable snubs? Okay. Uh, let's start with uh, Boston Rob and Lex in Survivor All-Stars. Yeah, that's a great move. Um, you know, a friendship-shattering move, which is not necessarily a concern for me. Um, but I, I think that that is a great move. But I also think that that is more, for me, I view it more as Lex's mistake than Rob's victory. Okay. What about, and uh, maybe this is the same justification, what about... Uh, Getting rid of Tyson in Survivor Heroes versus Villains. Yeah, this is one that I've heard a lot uh, of feedback on, and I would say the same as I, I credit this more to Tyson bungling it than than Russell doing anything super genius. Okay, what about anything that Russell did in Survivor Samoa? I mean, Russell had a couple of master strokes in Survivor Samoa. Yeah, Russell Russell is great. Uh, I think that um that that uh that first idol play was that who who gets a. Uh, is it Kelly that he gets yes. voted out? Yeah, that would have that would have been in contention. I think that that's probably my favorite Russell Hance move. Because um, I think that there's an evolution of the game that happens with Russell in the way that he plays the idol, like like the thing that Tony did the other day, and we saw right. Malcolm do it as well. This is all building off the same thing where Tony, or I'm sorry, where Russell takes the idol out and wears it on his neck, 
And yeah. sometimes he plays it and sometimes he doesn't. But the fact that he just wears it on his neck, you know, that would be extremely ballsy then to put Russell's name on your paper if he's wearing the necklace on his neck and he doesn't even have to play the idol. Like he got more mileage out of those idols that season than anybody else ever has in the history of the game. Yeah, I think that that's definitely fair to say. Um, I think for me, I just think that the way that he that he does things, it, while very entertaining to watch, I think is so aggressive in the game and around the people who are going to be influencing the vote in the end that it just it takes a few steps back for me. Uh, you know, he he plays uh, the best third place game out there, uh, okay. but but he doesn't play a first place game for me. Yes, present company excluded, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, how about this is one of my favorites, the Suri three two one vote from Survivor Panama. Yeah, that was very close to being on here. Uh I of all the ones that you've said so far, this was in very serious consideration. Okay. Uh nothing for your girl Kim Spradlin? Not even I, a crumb? I love Kim Spradlin. If this was the list of the most dominant winners in Survivor history, Kim would be very close to the top. But what I and let me just say that Kim Spradlin's my favorite Survivor player of all time. Um, I think for Kim, uh, the beauty of her game, the brilliance of her game is not defined by any one move. And it's defined by uh, attitude and uh, ability to just go with the flow and keep things in control and keep things in check rather than one specific move. I don't I don't think that there is one specific Kim Spradlin move that I would necessarily attribute her success to other than just being Kim Spradlin. Okay. I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones, um, big things that happen in the game, but I, I think we, we hit all of them. I'm sure there's going to be a lot in the comments of people telling us uh, exactly all these other great moves, and it's a fun list. It's a fun yeah. game to play. And for me, it was just it was exciting to write. Uh, I, I loved writing the article. Uh, I as I was writing it, felt you know, oh, I'm missing something. Something isn't on there. But that's the beauty of these things. These are not set in stone. This is not you know etched in in some hall of fame somewhere as the definitive list of the best strategic moves in Survivor. Yeah. It's a conversation starter, and I've really enjoyed hearing from people what their lists are. You know what they agree with, what they disagree with. Uh, the discourse has been very friendly, which I've appreciated. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know. I, I'm always I'm always happy to respond if you're going to be nice, um, and so I've I've really enjoyed that. And uh, now that we're talking about it even a little more, I'm I'm curious to hear what everybody else uh, thinks about about the list and what they would have included, what they would have excluded. You know, and real quick, I think also uh, I feel like we need some Survivor Australia on this list. I feel like it whether it's the vote where Mitchell goes home, the that when, was that was on an early version of this list, and, or the vote where Jeff Varner goes home, where they sort of figure out how to uh, the tiebreaker thing and they put all their votes on jeff varner i feel like yeah that's but that that for me felt more like kimmy kappenberg sinking the kucha ship rather than anyone <laughs> rather than anyone really stepping up and doing anything brilliant <laughs> that felt like uh, a, a very sad thing for jeff varner but not necessarily a, a big move for anyone else and australia is my favorite season uh, whoa so, yeah definitely all right, Josh. Well, fantastic job on the list, and I will post the link to that on robhasawebsite.com if you want to check out uh, Josh's list from vulture.com. Now, let's segue a little bit, and let's get ready to... We're <laughs> This is going to be a very fun exercise where... Now, do you, is this the cast of Survivor the Iron Islands or <laughs> Survivor uh, the Dothraki Sea? 
Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, Westeros and, and the surrounding uh, areas have some very good Survivor locations. I wish that we could, we could film some Survivor out there. What's, uh, I think just you know, Survivor Seven Kingdoms is going to work. I think that we should be all-inclusive here. <laughs> all right. Well, then I think you're going to screw us for Survivor 2. And, you know, we, I feel like we need to visit different locations. Fine. Let's let's uh, let's split the difference. We'll go Survivor Riverlands. <laughs> Survivor Riverlands. Uh, I like the sound of that. Yeah, I think that's good. <laughs> okay. So uh, what we're gonna do here in Survivor Riverlands, the twist is that it's brains versus beauty versus brawn, not brains versus beauty versus brawn. Okay. Just Although to be- maybe <laughs> could be could be <laughs> it'd be very confusing to have uh, brawn on the brawn tribe, but we are going to uh, go through it and we're going to cast it like I did with Gordon Holmes a couple months ago when we did All Star Survivor BBB. This is going to be All Star Game of Thrones BBB. Okay, we will be spoil. There will be spoilers potentially. We're not going to attempt to spoil anything. Spoilers from the TV show, yes. not from the, not from the book through three seasons of the TV show. So if you're not caught up to date on the Game of Thrones TV show, maybe don't listen to it because i can't i don't want to be responsible for spoiling something that happens in season three no okay? if you haven't made it through season three go away <laughs> go away come this back is the wrong, this is the wrong Ca- place come, for you come back when you catch up okay yes so uh, all right let me just uh, taboo buzzer it okay all right so this is a game of thrones tv show season three spoiler zone yes okay be warned all right so where do you want to start here brains beauty or brawn i don't know it's tough um i feel like I don't know which do you think is the easiest. I think well, that, why, don't, why don't we just knock out the easy one? I feel like the easiest one for Game of Thrones to cast is the Braun tribe. Yes. Okay. So let's start with the easiest, the easier side. And actually, it's actually going to be harder because there's so many people to cast here on the Braun tribe of uh, Game of Thrones or Survivor Riverlands. And we're going classic Survivor rules, so it's it's three men, three women per tribe. Right on the yes. on the on the Braun tribe. Yes. Okay. So uh, the Braun tribe, they will wear orange. <laughs> <laughs> okay uh who do you want to give us a, why don't we just go back and forth like i did with gordon Holmes? so give me some people you want to throw out there in the mix for the brawn tribe sure um now are we allowing people who have died yes okay yes. okay so i ha- i don't have this a lot all of stars died. yeah okay so you can bring them back yes well then if that's the case then you know cal drogo has cal to be drogo in is in the mix yeah he's, he's very much in the mix uh, I think you have to to put in um, the Clegane brothers, the Hound and the Mountain. Yes. Now, are we going to save the Hound and the Mountain for Survivor Blood versus Water? That might not be a bad choice. <laughs> I don't. Are, are we holding? Are we holding them back, or uh, can we put both of them on a season? Because this isn't a Blood versus Water season. It's not a Blood versus Water season, and I think that that's going to be tricky because uh, just by the nature of the show, we might have some duplicate family members on here i don't know how you feel about that but i think that that's, <laughs> that's gonna be fair unavoidable. okay well let's let's see what we have and maybe let's that we'll let that narrow our casting choices sure okay uh so i also have even though you seem to be against it i think that this is brilliant i think you gotta put Braun on the Braun tribe Braun on the Braun tribe i think Braun has to go to the Braun tribe that'd be very interesting and appropriate uh what do we have any room for hodor on the of Braun course tribe? hodor was the next person i was gonna say i don't think i think if there's any one that we've mentioned so far that has to be in survivor riverlands it's got to be hodor on the Braun tribe hodor <laughs> would be the for the um i don't know who our our corporate sponsor would be but whoever would for fan favorite i think hodor has got to be leading the charge here 
Yeah, Casterly Rock fan favorite. <laughs> I think uh, he's he's got this on lock. Uh, yeah, and we need someone with like the Cliff Robinson height advantage. So I think you know you're talking about the mountain or you're talking about Hodor, and I'm I would pick Hodor over the mountain every day of the week. All right, anybody else that you can think of that we are missing here for the Braun tribe? I mean, I think there's a lot of brawny guys that we could think of. But there are. I mean, you could put you could talk about Ned Stark. Yeah. You know, you could put in the equation here. I think um, you could talk about, you know, maybe Jorah Mormont, but I think, you know, there may be other places he could go. Um, I think that this is a solid place to start. Okay, so who's making the cut? Who do we have to have on the Braun Tribe? I think you have to have Hodor. Okay. I feel like you've got to have Cal Drogo. I agree. Okay, um, so of the Mountain, the Hound, and Braun, I mean, it's funny to have Braun on the Braun Tribe. But I feel like uh, I feel like you probably could do that if we're gonna just try to define brawn. Like we we're not gonna be like Survivor Twenty Eight. We want to be we want the tribe that most defines our characteristics. Okay. Well, then I guess you you take out brawn. Yeah, which is sad. It's just sad. He He'll be, always be on my brawn tribe. He would he would be good TV, but I feel like. Uh, you're going to get good TV from either the Hound or the Mountain. I feel like the Hound is the bigger character. Yeah, I think not only that, if you look at Hodor and Khal Drogo, those guys are a little simpler. Uh, and to have the Mountain in the mix is to have a really simple tribe of dudes. Uh, so I think for the for the confessionals, you need to have the, ma- uh, the Hound in the mix here. Okay, but we're going to bring back... We're going to bring back uh, the mountain for uh, Survivor, <laughs> Survivor Blood versus Water, which okay. is going to also film in the Riverlands, but that's going to be the next season. Survivor Fire and Blood versus uh, Ice and Water. <laughs> yes, Survivor. <laughs> Great. Okay, so a song of, a song of uh, uh, blood and water. Yes, okay. exactly. All right, so then... So the, the women of Braun. Okay, so the um, mountain is going to come back for that season, and he's going to be on the Loved Ones tribe. Yes. Okay. All right. So the women of the Braun tribe. There are two no-brainers for me that absolutely have to be on here. Okay. Uh, Brienne is Brienne of Tarth is a Braun. That's a no-brainer. Um, and I would give the other spot to Ygritte. Oh. Okay. Uh, you know she is well, she's a ba- she's a badass. She's a fighter. She would uh, she would kill you if you suggested to put her on beauty. Um, I think that you got to have Ygritte on Braun. Okay, well, that's that is uh, she's in the mix. Okay, so Brianna, I agree, is a no is a no brainer. I got a couple more names to throw at you in the mix. Yeah, let me hear. Uh, what about? Uh, tell me if I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, Asha Greyjoy, Theon's uh, sister. Yes, she's called Yara on the show, but she is Asha in the books. They've they've split it up because there's Osha the Wildling, and they thought that would be confusing. Confusing. Okay, so they y- thought that would be confusing on Game of Thrones. <laughs> sure. All right. So Theon's <laughs> sister. Yes, she's on my short list. Okay. Um, do we have room for Arya on the Braun tribe? Arya is also on my short list. She's spunky. She is spunky. Yes. Um, but I like. I do like. Uh, Egret, because uh, we need a, we need, you know, we got to keep the men of Westeros, uh, you know, tuned in. I think that these are the four in the conversation. I don't know if you had any others. Um, no, I think no, I think that's good. So, so where do we now? Is Arya out? I think that the that for me, I would put Egret in there uh, over Arya and Yara. And then for me, the question is Arya or Yara, <laughs> and I feel like Arya is much better television. 
Yara, Aria, Aria, Yara. Uh, although maybe not old enough to be playing Survivor. Yeah, I just kind of feel like she's going to get smoked here. I think that that's the thing. Everyone always discounts Aria. You don't. You don't overlook Aria. I she feel might, she might do damage. She is. I feel like uh, one of these people that you know. You put her on the on the Braun tribe, but I kind of feel like at the end of the day, Yara is the better Braun tribe member. If we're she, looking at the cast photo, we're like, what is this? There's a little. Is that there's a little boy in this tribe? What is this? She, she kind of looks like Officer Sarah. <laughs> Yara. Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm sorry, Arya, but more bad luck for you. Uh, bummer. All right, so we've got our brawn tribe. All right, but that's a pretty brawny tribe. That's a brawny tribe. <laughs> that uh, They will not lose a challenge before the merge. Well, if it involves thinking, they probably will. <laughs> You're not going to put Hodor on the puzzle? Uh, no. I mean, not, to, not that he wouldn't have good puzzle-solving skills. It's the communication skills that would uh, leave something to be desired. I yeah. Think. Um, you wouldn't want to make him be the caller in the blindfold challenge? That would be incredible television. <laughs> all right. So then, all right, where do you want to go to beauty or brains? Let's save brains for last. Okay, so let's go to beauty. Okay, let's uh, go to the beauty tribe. And uh, all right, so who, who do you think you want to start with, men or women? Let's do the women first. Okay. And, um, and, sorry, and, and this is when Nicole would say, well, why did you ask me if, if you didn't want me to, uh, if you already knew what you wanted to do? Well, let's do what you want to do. It's your show, Rob. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that's, that's very refreshing to hear that. <laughs> I'm um, into it. All right, so let's go with the women of beauty. Who do you got? Um, I would say uh, Daenerys Targaryen is in the mix. She's in the mix. Um, Marjorie Tyrell is in the mix. Certainly in the mix. Uh, Talisa is in the mix. Yes. Uh, I would say Melisandre is in the mix. Melisandre in the mix, okay. Uh, you probably put Roz in the mix. I got Roz on my list, too. Maybe Shay is in the mix. Yeah. Eh, we, we, can, we can cut Shay. We can get rid of Shay. Um, and then I would put Cersei in the mix here too. Yeah, I think she's probably in the mix. You know, they they always describe her as uh, whether or not it's true. They always call her the most beautiful woman in Westeros. So. Yeah, she's the Miss Yvonne of Westeros. Yeah, so I I think not only would she be on my list, I think that she has to be on this tribe. Okay. Now I think that she's going to be one of these people that's annoyed if she's on the beauty tribe and not on the brains tribe. Also. I know, and that's great. <laughs> All right. I think we have to cut Melisandre. I don't think that this is the right spot for her. Okay. Um, so, okay. If Cersei's on the, on the tribe, okay. So now, so we have, uh, we have Marjorie, we have Talissa, we have Roz, and we have Daenerys. Um, yes. And I feel like if you have Cersei and Marjorie on the same tribe, that's going to be really good. Fireworks, yeah. I have to have Marjorie. I'm a big and Marjorie fan. And that's sad fan. because I, I think Marjorie could be a really easy shoe-in for the brains, too. You know, don't, don't sleep on Marjorie's ability to uh, navigate the game. Um, but I feel like she'll be one of those people that's kind of a surprise. If you put her on beauty, you'll be surprised at how smart she is in the game. Yeah, don't, don't forget about Danny. Um, so, Talissa, Roz, or Danny. We need one of these three. Um, could if we don't use Danny here, do we, can we still get her in the cast? If we don't use Danny here, I think you could call Danny a brain. Okay. Well, maybe we we might have to. Uh, maybe let's punt on her because we're not getting Talissa or, uh, with all due respect to uh, the you know the late Roz. No. I feel like or the late Talissa. Um, I feel like um, you know we're, that's a tougher sell. So if you had to only have one. Who is more in the beauty tribe, Talissa or Roz? I think I would go with Talissa. 
you know, she she is she is the woman worth losing your life and your cause for. Uh, See, and I would go with Roz because I feel like that again. We're if we're trying to get the ratings up, I know that um, you know that a lot of people have have you know noticed that Talissa is a good looking woman, but I feel like um, I feel like Roz could be like the Morgan of this season. I think that uh, you also have to consider who's going to be best for drama. And while Roz is a little bit of a firecracker, I think that there's already some built-in tension between the Lannisters and the Starks. So having Talisa in the mix here and pitting her against Cersei and pitting her against Marjorie, I think that that makes for some better wheeling and dealing. Well, but Talissa is like, I kind of feel like she's going to be like above the drama. And I feel like she's not going to get into too many fights. Whereas I kind of feel like Cersei will be like, well, I'm, you know, I'm a a highborn and there's some prostitute that's on my tribe. Like, uh, and I feel like there would be some cattiness there, too. Well, I also think that if you're looking for good blindsides, Talissa would be great for that. (laughs) What, she would get blindsided? Yeah, she's the ultimate blindside. All right. Well, we, we don't have enough time to to debate this. Uh, you feel why, don't, why don't we flesh out the men and then we can come back to this one? Okay. All right. Here we go. So Talisa and, Ra- and Roz are in the middle. All right. So we need men for the beauty tribe. This is where I struggled the most with my list. Yeah. And it's it's hard because we have Cersei on here because I think this is a good spot for Jamie Lannister. Yeah. I uh, kind of have him on my on my list also. Especially you know, Now, is this the one-handed Jamie Lannister or the two-handed Jamie Lannister? Oh, well, right now he's one-handed. So maybe that DQs him. I don't know. It's sort of like, well, we're he also, keep- he's also very smelly right now. Yeah. You know, big beard. Now, Cal- drinking horse piss for, <laughs> for the better part of two weeks. Right. We know Khal Drago is dead, but he's on the Braun tribe. So I don't know if, if Jamie would be regenerated, but I kind of feel like he would be, he would be on the Braun tribe, I feel like, if he had two hands. So I kind of feel like this should still be the one handed Jamie Lannister. Yeah. I, I think he's in the mix, but w- let's see who else we have here. Okay. I've got one. How about Sir Loris? Yes, of course. Sir Loris is, <laughs> is a, gorgeous. He's a must-have. He's a must-have on this. <laughs> Gotta have Sir Loris. Yes, he's the uh, he's the one that might be giving us a dot 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 hmm at one of the tribal councils. The Knight of Flowers. Yeah. Yes. Um, how about Jon Snow? I think Jon Snow. Um, I think you could probably only have one of Jon Snow or Rob Stark, uh, and I think Rob Stark. You know, he kind of looks like Jeremiah, which which is appealing to me. Uh, but if if we're going to have Talisa in the mix, I don't think you could have Rob and Talisa on the same tribe. I think that's unfair. Yeah, uh, I, I like I would, the Jon Snow and uh, Igret also possible possible uh, connection slash blood feud. Yes, I, I'm with that. So I would put Jon Snow on beauty. Okay, so we need somebody, uh, one other person for the beauty trot. Um, Dario Naharis. Now is I know you've said that there is going to be a second Dario cast in. That's true. Is the second Dario as a uh, beauty tribe worthy? No, the second Dario is a little more rugged. Hmm. He's he's kind of bearded and looks a little more. He kind of looks like the guy who plays Jamie Lannister, honestly. So that's going to be a little awkward. <laughs> that's going to be confusing. That's going to be confusing. <laughs> uh, uh, so who else? Who else is a possibility for the beauty tribe? Well, I think if you're looking for like your LJ type, somebody who maybe you could have put on Braun uh, and somehow is on beauty because he's he's just that handsome. He's like ruggedly handsome. I would put Jorah Mormont in the mix. Hmm. I think Jorah Mormont's gorgeous. I I'm a big Jorah Mormont man. <laughs> but I don't I again I don't know if he's a if he's a beauty, 
What what about somebody Would like you say uh, LJ is a beauty? I haven't, but people are very very uh, taken with him. People find I him think, very fetching. I think people are going to listen to this podcast and throw their support behind Joram Mormont. But that's just me. Maybe that's just me. I don't oh, know. Well, let's see. How about let's just throw some other names out there. How about a Gendry? Gendry's good. I feel like he's he, good. He's also a little brawny. He's a little brawny, uh, but I feel like he's uh, you know is a good looking guy. He's younger, so this is this would be a younger leaning uh, beauty male tribe. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Theon is in is in the mix. I feel like Theon would fit in on the be on the beauty tribe, but I don't know if he's he might. Just I be. think he, I think he's just he's missing something. <laughs> yeah, For, and what he's missing, I think, will would would hurt. I feel like if we had like Theon and Roz on the same tribe, that would be uh that could be fun. But I don't I don't know at this point in time. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, who else would be good? I'm just trying, trying to go through anybody in King's Landing that we're not thinking of, anybody uh, in Stannis's world that we're not thinking of. I feel like uh, it feels wrong to not have Jamie on here, but it's it's also wrong to have Cersei on here. But there's a lot of things wrong between Jamie and Cersei. Maybe it's fitting that they're on the same tribe. <laughs> I don't think that anyone would throw an argument about that. Mm. I feel like this is this is a. Uh, this is how it's always been with those two. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, Jamie Lannister is so much fun. All right. Let's. Uh, all right. We'll give Jamie Lannister the uh, the nod here for. I think so. All right. So Sir Loris, Jamie, one one armed Jamie, one hand Jamie, one hand and, and Jon Snow, and then it's Marjorie, Cersei, and give me uh, Talissa or Roz. I would go Talissa, but if you want to go Roz, we can go, we can go with Roz. I think we need to have Roz. She got All such right, an un, unsatisfying uh, ending to her story. That's fair. And I think Talissa had a had a really nice ending. And if we're not going to have Rob Stark in the mix, it just feels wrong to have her. Here. Yeah, she had a nice run for somebody who's not even in the book. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. So brains tribe. Okay. I had a very hard time with the brains women side of this, and I have like ten people that could be on the brains uh, men side. Okay. Um, well, let me throw out some brains women. I think Daenerys, this is where we're going to have Daenerys Targaryen. Okay. Uh, she's obviously, she's smoking hot. She's gorgeous. Uh, and she's got the brawn of dragons on her side and a big army. Um, but I think all you got to do is look at episode four of season three to see the strategic acumen that Daenerys possesses. And I think that, uh, she is a, a very natural fit on, on brains. I won't fight you on this and we don't have that many other brains for women. So <laughs> that she's, she's, uh, she's cast. Um, another one that I think, uh, would be great for so many reasons, you know, she's, uh, she's a great TV personality and she's great to kind of diversify the, the ages a little bit is you got to put the queen of thorns. Yeah, on. Yeah, I got her on my list. She could be like a Marilyn mad dog Hershey to me. Exactly. Lady Elena has to be on. And maybe she won't even take out her teeth. No, no. Yeah, that's she would. That was the first Dawn Meehan, uh, Marilyn Mandelig Hershey. That's true. That's right. (laughs) And she did that for fun. And it was for fun. It wasn't a big deal. Mm -mm. Uh, Okay, who else? So we got two people cast on the brain strip. So I think, you know, is this where Melisandre goes? Yeah, that's kind of where I had her. That's a possibility. Um, I I have Catelyn Stark on here, but now I'm kind of thinking. I feel like like this could be a a Sierra thing all over again if we put Cat Cat Stark on the brain strip. And then the other person that I have, who I actually think is is really really good, uh, but maybe it's unfair to have her on Daenerys's tribe because they're so close. Is um, Missandei, who's her 
her her number one out in out in Esso. She knows nineteen languages, Rob. Yeah, but I feel like that's a, I feel like that's, she's a reach. I feel like too too minor of a character. Yeah, yeah. So all right, so in a perfect world, she would be on there. But I I would be good with uh, Daenerys, uh, Queen of Thorns, and Melisandre. I think that's a pretty good. Uh, you got because you got Lady Olena. She's like our comic relief. She's like the Rudy of this season. Yeah, and then uh, Danny is talking about you know dragons, and and the Red Woman is talking about the Lord of Light. And I think it's I think it's gonna be like uh, she's try- they're trying to start the fire. She's like, oh, the Lord of Light doesn't want you to have fire right now. Right, um, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that'll be very good. Okay, so the men's part of the Brains Tribe. This is going to be tough. It's going to be tough, certainly. You know, there's, there are some some no-brainers for the Brains. You know, there's Tyrion, there's Littlefinger, Varys. Uh, I mean, that, that really strikes me as the top three, but, uh, you know, there's Tywin is in the mix. Sure. Who else do you have? Uh, those, were, those were the top contenders uh, that I had here. You know, you could make the argument that this is where Bronn could go. He's a he's a street smart type of guy. Yeah, he but, might be he might be like your Garrett, where he's uh, you know, maybe not smart in the conventional sense, but he's you know he's got some street smarts. Yeah, uh, but compared to all these other people that we talked about, I feel like um, Bronn is not gamers, holding a candle to these other guys. Yeah, it's hard. I I wish we could have all four of those guys in because I think that this is what this exercise is really all about. People always want to know who would who from Game of Thrones would be better at Survivor, Tyrion, Littlefinger, or Varys. And I think when you look at it that way, I think Tywin maybe maybe is uh, out of the running. Yeah, uh, you want Tywin out? Oh boy. Um, you know, and and the Survivor aspect of Game of Thrones is what first hooked me on the show. Like, I watched the first couple episodes. It's like, okay. And, and then once they got to, like, when Ned Stark got to King's Landing. Yeah. And, like, Littlefinger is showing him around. And, and basically, it's like, oh, this whole show is like Survivor. Right. Uh, that was really, then I was hooked. Yeah. But, I mean... Listen, we've already set the precedent that Jamie and Cersei are on the same tribe. The Lannister are the Lannister family is so dominant that maybe we could have two tribes with two Lannisters apiece, but that seems a little unfair to me. So I feel like you either have to have Tyrion or you have to have Tywin, and I feel like very difficult to have Game of Thrones survivor without Tyrion Lannister. Yeah, Tyrion's definitely in. He's definitely in. He's on the Brains tribe. He's the new leaf. Yeah. But but much better. Uh so now, I feel like you have some interesting rivalries here. You have Littlefinger and Varys, which is yep. a very interesting rivalry. And then to have two Lannisters on the same tribe, Tywin and Tyrion, they're kind of two Lannisters that don't like each other. Also, yeah, though. it would be very, they would be out to get each other pretty early on. Yes, and not like even in like a, talk about an Otis and Vetus uh, having a contentious relationship. This yeah. would make uh, those guys look like they were the best of friends. Yeah, there would be a lot of uh, Jeff Probst special moments here, I think. Yeah, but do we want? So, do we want to save Tywin for uh, Survivor? Survivor uh, Blood versus oh, a song a, of blood versus song, water. Yeah, a song of blood versus water. I think we're saving uh, Tywin for. Okay, that's I'm I'm okay with that. So then our brains, our brains tribe. Also with Tywin and Lady Elena in this tribe, we're skewing a little on the senior side. I just think that. Uh, you got to go with Tyrion. He's the classic. You can't have Game of Thrones survivor without Tyrion. And then I think that it's a little, a little cheap to put uh, to put Tywin in the mix. Okay. All right. So he can come on the family visit, but we won't yeah, exactly. we, we don't know who he's going to come for. Yeah. 
Definitely. <laughs> I think Shay would be Tyrion's uh, family visit. Or Ron. Or Ron. Uh, <laughs> uh, it might have to be Sansa that they might have to uh, like force him to do it. Right. And and Cersei, then she might have um, Joffrey be her family visit. Oh, God. This would be very, very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, all right. And uh, I was never saying that we should do Tywin instead of Tyrion. The question for me would have been Tywin instead of Littlefinger or Varys. But I guess you need both those guys. I think, I think you need those three. I think Tyrion, Littlefinger, and Varys for the first edition of Survivor Game of Thrones, of Survivor Riverlands, I think they got to be in there. All right. Tyrion, Littlefinger, Varys, Lady Olena, Melisandre, Danny. Uh, and again, m- much like our real brains tribe, this is going to be a <laughs> disaster. Disaster in the making. Disaster. Uh, this, this tribe is going to be the red wedding. Yes. Okay. Uh, then we have uh, Mar. We have Cersei, Marjorie, and Roz. Okay. And then uh, they are with Sir Loras, Jamie, and Jon Snow on the beauty tribe. Yes. And then we have on the bra- on the brawn tribe, not the brawn tribe. Uh, we have Hodor. We have Carl Drago and the Hound. Uh, and then uh, we have Yara Greyjoy, uh, Brienne of Tarth, and Ygritte. Yes, I like it. Okay. so we'll, cast. All right, so what we said here, and let's try to see how fast we could do this. Uh, we said it was that we were going to try to uh, determine the vote-offs by the the people who got the uh, won the challenges on the real Survivor Blood versus Water. So first Tribal Council is going to be the Brains Tribe going to Tribal. Right. Okay. Um, who is the who is the David Sampson here? Who? <laughs> real quick, what's the, what's the alliance that gets made here? Uh, well, I don't know about the alliance, but if you want to talk about the David Sampson, it's probably Tyrion. No, I see. I think uh, I feel like Littlefinger goes out first here. You think Littlefinger goes first? I think that the alliance here goes Tyrion, Varys, and Lady Elena, and then they and they're like, we all we got to get rid of Littlefinger. Oh, I think Littlefinger is the first one out on <laughs> Survivor. So then, who is the who is the cast? Is that is that Daenerys? Uh, I feel like Melisandre is pretty handily the Jatia. <laughs> yes, yes. I think that goes without saying. Yeah, I feel like uh, yeah, da- Daenerys is probably the Tasha of the group, uh-huh. and then uh, then Lady Elena would probably be in the cast role. Yeah, not cast a role. I feel like Littlefinger could be. I feel like Littlefinger could be out first. I think that might be right. I think so. For Littlefinger. Because he, ha- he doesn't have enough pawns to play with here, and that's really his whole thing. Yeah, that's, that, that's the thing. He, bring, he would be great like on a tribe of ten, yes. but he's sort of exposed in a tribe of six. Yeah, he doesn't have enough chaos to create here. Yeah, so unlike Chaos Cass, uh, that chaos is not a ladder for him to climb up here in this tribe of six. So we lose Littlefinger first. Boom. So who, who's the Garrett? Okay, so then okay, so then we go back to tribal council, and then again we had this disaster in in the challenge. Uh, they 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 screwed it. They screwed it all up. Melisandre is like doing like some chant or whatever in the middle yeah, of the she, challenge. She set the camp on fire. She set the camp on fire, and I think everybody's sort of like, well, okay, we gotta vote out Melisandre here. Right. But then she does some sort of like voodoo and whatever, and. <laughs> And then they, uh, you know, that maybe they're not listening. Varys hates magic. Varys hates magic. <laughs> and he does. So I feel like he's not going to like uh, Melisandre. Yeah, he's going to really be pushing to get rid of her. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like Melisandre is the second one out. 
But she's she's Jatia. Yeah, well, but it's not going to go exactly the same way that Survivor BBB goes. Well, if that's the case, then yeah, she's done. If it goes the way that it should have gone, then Melissa well, I think a tribal will so tribal wise, we have to say because otherwise we can't figure out. We have no s- computer that's uh, sophisticated enough to simulate who would win in these tribes uh, when, in immunity. Maybe you don't, but I do. You would, you do? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not telling you. Um, yeah, I think Melisandre could go here. Then you know, if if the Brains Tribe had made the choice that made the most sense at the time uh, of that vote, Melisandre Jatia would have gone. So okay, I'm into it. So then we have the Beauty Tribe is going to go to Tribal Council once because that's what happened on the the real BBB. Okay, right. and so who's going? So we have Cersei, Marjorie, Roz, Sir Loras, Jamie, and Jon Snow. So okay, you'd imagine that we haven't even acknowledged that Marjorie and Sir Loras are on the same tribe. So there's two <laughs> pairs. There's two pairs of siblings here. Okay, so yeah, so this is fine. So this is sort of like there's a two and there's a two, and, and then, now and J- Snow and Roz are in the middle. They're and the they're, spoilers. They're kind of connected because they're both from the north oh, and they had sex yeah did they have sex yeah i think that john snow said uh that somebody there at one point they had asked him like oh did you ever did you ever uh have you ever been with a woman and i think that john snow was talking about like uh there was this one girl and she had uh red hair and uh so oh, wow. he's definitely talking about Roz. yeah don't tell you grit <laughs> yeah but he's got a thing for redheads yeah i guess so all right, all right so, so they've got a connection but i think that we could say that they are the swing votes here they're the swing votes. So which way do they swing? Are they swinging towards the, uh, gotta think Jon Snow is swinging anti Lannister here. I think that's right. And I think, uh, I would guess that Cersei goes here. Okay. They need Jamie for the challenges. Even they need Jamie for the challenges. Okay. So Cersei is the third person voted out of Survivor, uh, Redlands. Yes. Riverlands, 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 not uh, not Redlands. Okay, uh, then so then we go to Tribal Council again. Okay, and for the Brains Tribe, and this is this is another a, a tight spot here because I think Danny is doing more in the challenges, but mm-hmm. so it's for Tyrion and Varys, they're like the Tasha and uh, and Cass here in this situation because it's like, well, Lady Elena is in our alliance, but Danny right. is the Spencer right now. Yeah, I think when you put it that way, the choice is clear. They got to vote out Lady Elena? Yeah, I think she, you know, this is close to the Mad Dog spot. Okay. I think Mad Dog was number three out. All right, so she's going to she's gonna go out here. Yeah, okay. she goes out at four. All right, so now we have Tribe Swap. Okay, well, let's do this, this Tribe Swap the same exact way as in the other one. So those. Okay, so all of the bronze except one are together. Yeah, so all of the brains are going to go to Apari. Okay. Okay, who is, okay, so... And so in the apart in the in the Braun tribe, who is the Sarah? Uh, I think Yara. Yeah. She okay. Lo- so they so look the same. all right. So now Brains tribe is okay. So so the new Apari is Tyrion, Varys, uh, Daenerys, Yara. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So let's move her off of here, and, and then uh, two beauties, right? And then we got to move two of the beauties, and so who is the LJ? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, who is the? Um, we said Roz was the Morgan, so Roz right. is going to go also up here. Okay. Okay, and then. We also need the Jeremiah. And so who was the Jeremiah in this group of Sir Lawrence? Like, I'd say Jon Snow. Jon Snow. But then because Morgan and Jeremiah weren't uh, weren't aligned. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Actually, no, we need three people from the beauties. Yeah, we need an Alexis as well. Yeah, we need the Alexis. So in that last in that last vote, uh, when Bryce went home, then the person that was aligned with. Uh, so. This is uh 
I'm, I'm getting my head is, is spinning right now. Oh my god, so many possibilities. <laughs> so, many, so many possibilities. So the people that were with Bryce. So uh, so then Jamie should Jamie should go. So Jamie should be on this trip. Yeah. So it should be Jamie Roz and who's somebody else that's not going to work with them that's going to be uh, going in all the different ways. Uh, I think that that's either Loris or Jon Snow. Yeah. Let's send. Uh, okay, so Marjorie and Jon Snow they voted together. They could be like a Jeffra and LJ. Okay, so, so we're giving them Loris. So we're giving them Sir uh, so Loris. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Then you have Hound. You have you have Hodor. Yes. So so here are the new the new oh my. the new tribes. Okay. Oh, gosh. So uh, I'm gonna start like a new piece of paper. So the new Apari is uh is Tyrion, Varys, Daenerys. Then Yara, Roz, Jamie Lannister, and Sir Loris. Oof. And then the new Solana tribe is Hodor. <laughs> He's still in the <laughs> Carl Drago, who I I want to call Carl Drago, but I'll I'll, I'll try to get his name right. right. Uh, the Hound. <laughs> yep. And then uh, we also still have Brianna Tarth. We haven't even yep. mentioned her name yet. She's she's like the Trish. Uh, Brianna Tarth, uh, Igret. Okay, uh, who else is there? Then John, John Snow, John, John Snow. Now, uh oh, that's bad. And, and Marjorie, and Marjorie. Okay, so now this is now in a, in a huge upset. The uh, f- the new <laughs> Apari tribe wins immunity, sending <laughs> somebody is going home from the uh the tribe of Hodor Caldrago. Uh, the Hound, uh, Brianna Tarth, Ygritte, Jon Snow, and uh, who's uh, Marjorie. And Marjorie. Marjorie. So I think here, uh, Brienne is going to be really taken with Jon Snow. Okay. I, I think that Brienne. That's you know, LJ? Yeah, they kind of have the Stark connection. You know, she's a big fan of Catelyn Stark. She's sworn to protect, uh, to find and protect Catelyn Stark's uh, daughters. Oh, so I- so I feel like, you know, she's going to feel a little bit of the Stark vibes there, even though John isn't Catelyn's favorite. I think Brienne and, and John are going to gravitate towards each other. Well, I kind of feel like th- then if that's the way things are going, I kind of feel like Hodor is going to get in on this, too. Yeah. And I think I think that they're going to get rid of uh, I think they're going to get rid of Cal Drogo. Um, interesting. So uh, you don't think they're going to have a problem with uh, the Hound? I guess it could go for the Hound as well. Yeah, I feel like the Hound is sort of like the Cliff Robinson here. Yeah, and I think Jon Snow would like to get rid of Ygrit, but doesn't want to overplay his hand right now. He's just happy to not be getting voted out. Well, I think uh, Ygrit could be the swing vote here. Uh, where, where's is Marjorie with Jon Snow, Brienne? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, they've yeah, they've yeah. got the whole Renly connection. Yeah, yeah. So Marjorie's with them. So the the the, the four here is Hodor, Brienne, Jon Snow, and Marjorie. Yes. Ygrit is sort of like uh, is with them because uh, she. She's in the otherwise she's in the minority and call Drogo and uh, the Hound are sort of on the outs. I think that Ygritte is in tight with with the Hound and Cal Drogo. And I think you lose either Drogo or the Hound and then Ygritte quits the game. Oh, no, she's going to she's she's like, you know, nothing, uh, Jon Snow. I'm out of yeah, here. She's going to be pissed that Jon Snow is still around and she's afraid of what she might do if she if she stays. She might kill Jon Snow. OK, so, yeah, so she's going to she can't stand Jon Snow so much that she's going to kill him. So yeah. she so we vote out her ally in. Was it the Hound? 
Yeah, let's get rid of the hound. All right, so the hound gets voted out here, and then Ugric quits the game in a huge, a huge move. Yes. Okay. So then, uh, th- but then they somehow they win immunity. Yeah. And uh, and so then uh, Carl Drogo in uh, Valerian yells out top five baby, <laughs> and Daenerys in is actually yes. yeah, in Do- <laughs> yeah, in Dothraki. But Daenerys speaks that, and she's like, oh, what what WTF? Because I thought that that was my betrothed. Yeah, that's my moon and my stars. Yeah, you know? what what WTF? What's happening here. So then okay so they go to tribal council so it's uh so we know that the alliance here is Tyrion, varus and daenerys there they have an alliance there right. and I, I think yara is safe they feel like yara is somebody who they can just you know who can play with this is someone who's just happy to be there still yeah Roz is i feel like Roz would be with these guys i think Roz would be with these guys too i feel like Tyrion would protect his brother uh okay so, so I, I think i think loris is i think it's it's this is it yeah, because they feel like uh, Sir Loris is going to flip when they get to the merge because uh, Marjorie's over there. Okay, mm-hmm. so I think Loris goes here. All right, so drop your buffs now. This is the, this is the merge. We got to be merged. Okay, <laughs> we've we have we have merged now. Uh, all the kingdoms are united. Okay, what's yes. merge tribe name? Um, I don't know the bastards. <laughs> the bastards. Okay. The bastards. That's what I would. Bastard tribe. Okay. Bastards. All right. So now we go to the, we go to the merge, and now so are tribal loyalties holding, or people like uh, going by their old connections? Well, let's look at this. I think that you know Daenerys and Khal Drogo might be gravitating towards each other. Okay. Uh, I think that's certainly a possibility. All right. So Daenerys and Khal Drogo, they're back. They're back together. Jamie uh, and Brienne might be getting together. Jay, okay, so Jamie and Brienne, they still they're still uh, a, a twosome. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see uh, who else ha- who else has connections on the other side. Maybe John and Roz. Maybe they're they're getting back together. Yeah, they, well, they still know each yeah know each other from from before. But uh, I wouldn't bank on that. Yeah, I that's, feel like that's, at this point, maybe John and Marjorie have hit it off. Yeah, that's sort of like a dashed line. Uh, yeah. The uh, Hodor uh, that I guess he has still has Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. So I would put those two together, actually. Okay, Hodor and Jon Snow are still... And then you could probably put Marjorie in there, so that's a threesome. Um, I, I feel like Marjorie. I feel like she's in with... Uh, I feel like she's going to go with Brienne and Jamie. Oh, that's probably true. Because she's going to she want knows, that Lannister alliance. She wants that Lannister alliance, and she also has that Renly alliance. They both right. love Renly. right. And I think that Jamie sees himself as the top dog there, so he feels pretty good about his final three shot. So that's interesting. Yara really has nobody. Yara has nobody. The Hound has nobody. The, oh, the, the Hound's gone. The Hound, the hound's the hound gone. is gone. Uh, Tyrion uh-huh. and Varys also. Are they still? Reagents. Uh, are they? Is Tyrion, Varys, Jamie, Brienne, and Tarth, uh, and Marjorie? is that the five? Is that Jamie, a new f- Jamie, Brienne, Marjorie, and Tyrion. Yes, and who who Varys, was the other one? Varys. Yeah, that looks pretty solid to me. All right, so that's the and I guess and by proxy, Daenerys is also there. But then, but then now, Daenerys is she going to want to work with Jaime? That uh, Kingslayer? No. That's a no. problem. Targaryens are not going to work with Lannisters. That's not going to happen. So maybe this is the alliance, and this is starting to come. And what, what if Danny is starting to feel like the cast here, and it's like, oh, well, now you guys don't care what I have to say. Right, and so she's going to flip on them. <laughs> yeah, and she's going to go off with Carl Drogo and Hodor and Jon Snow and and, and Yara. And Roz. <laughs> Roz. 
<laughs> wow. So who, is, who who does she want out? She wants to get rid of. Um, she wants Jamie Lannister out. So she wants Jamie Lannister out, but is she afraid that he has an idol? So maybe she wants Tyrion out. Hmm. I don't She's got to be worried that one of those guys has an idol. Yeah, but Tyrion was in her her old alliance. That so That's she's true. it was Tyrion, Varys, and Daenerys to get to this point. That's right. That's right. So I feel like uh, th- this is the this is the problem if Tyrion and Varys want to work with with Jaime because Jaime has Brienne and Marjorie. Right. So it's a it's an issue. Yeah, I think maybe Jaime's out here. Jamie is out. I feel like he is. He has the number. Danny gets the. Danny flips the game. Yeah, it looks like Danny's the cash. Oh right? my god! Flipping okay, over. So she, Danny She's flips. Blowing up the game. She she flips, and now Jamie is out. Eleventh place. First member she, of the jury. She promised them the world. She promised them dragons, and then she turned the dragons loose. Okay, so now, so Daenerys just voted. They voted out Jamie. It was a big blind side. And now Jamie is Jamie is out of the game. He was a, an immunity threat, even with one hand. It's definitely true. Uh, and I think that, you know, if he had been allowed to stay in for too much longer, I think he had a real shot at uh, winning the throne here. Okay. So now Danny and Carl Drogo and uh, Jon Snow and, and, uh, and Roz and Hodor are calling the shots. Yeah, that's what it looks like. <laughs> that's a scary lineup. That's a murderer's row. Yeah. And then who, so who do they vote out next? They stick together? I think they stick together and they, you know, it's like the R.S. Vetus thing. I think they take out the next Lannister and I think Tyrion goes. Yeah, she's got to be sorry that uh, a, you know, Lannister has to pay his debts here. I think so. And so Tyrion and Tyrion goes out 10th. He's too dangerous. Right. Okay, he's on the jury. Now, at this point, Tyrion's gone. Varys is in kind of that small pocket of three. Does he have any wiggle room here to... uh, to turn the tide or is he just completely done i think varus is just gonna like hang try to go into the background try to hang out here he's gonna he can work with Roz, and i feel like maybe uh you know i feel like varus might be able to convince you know a hodor that that maybe working for varus would be a smarter deal and i think with Roz on his side maybe he could get that going on well, I think the person who goes out here, I think Yara, that she's an immunity threat. She's that nobody can control her. So I feel they're like, blindsiding Yara. Well, I think that she's sort of like no, she has nobody. Well, she was part of this this big alliance here. Yeah, but she's a, she's too much of a free agent. She's not really. She doesn't have any tight alliances with anybody. Right. So they're cutting Yara. So she's so Yara's gone, and she's going to be very indignant about this. Yeah, and now at, I wonder at the final council, she's going to be upset. Okay, so Brienne. Uh, <laughs> Brienne, Marjorie, Jon Snow, and Roz, Danny and Carl Drago, Varys, and Hodor. Yeah, um, that's our final eight. Yeah, I think that I think that ooh, I think Varys might be able to do some stuff here. Yeah, I think so because nobody's coming after him because he's not a threat to win immunity. Yeah, I think that he's kind of like in the in the Chris spot in Vanuatu. I think everyone's snoozing on on Varys. Yeah, because they're worried about the the king's la- the king's landing crew. Right, and. Honestly, if the King's Landing crew uh, goes out here, I kind of feel like uh, it might be time to get Mar to get Mar Marjorie. Would you Would you get rid of Marjorie before you got rid of Brienne? Hmm. I guess so. Brienne's probably the next one out. Yeah, I think so. Got to get rid of Got to get rid of Brienne. So the people that are still in the alliance: it's Danny, Khal Drogo, Jon Snow, Roz, and Hodor. Right. And so now here's where I think that. Um, 
this is where I think that something is going to happen. We're in we're this. We're in the seven, right? This is the yeah, seven. Yeah, down to seven. So this is where every. This is where the magic happens on Survivor. Sure. Uh, this is where I think Varys and Marjorie are together. Yeah. They pull in Roz. They pull in Hodor. And they blindside Cal Drogo. Oh, Cal Drogo. What a huge move. Uh, Write about this on Vulture.com. Cal Drogo goes out at Final 7. We're shocked. Blindside. What what a great Survivor know-it-alls that's going to be on that night. Blindside. Yes. And then, you know, Daenerys falls right afterwards. She's going to go out here, and she's going to be... I would not want to hear her speech on the jury. No, it would be really awkward. pissed. Okay. So... And then I kind of feel like, uh, so Varys, Varys, Hodor, uh, Roz and Marjorie, and then, uh, and Jon Snow is the, is, you know, I feel like he's the odd man out here at five, but. He's the odd man out, but he hasn't really done anything in this game. You yeah. know, I feel like he's not much of a threat. If he gets to the end, he's kind of like Mick, you know, what did you do? <laughs> yeah. It is uh, the bastard tribe. So I, I feel like John gets a pass here, and I think Varys turns on Marjorie. So Va- so Varys wants to get to the end with uh. So who's who's Varys's final three? I think he wants Hodor. Yeah, and I, Hodor and I is the is the best. Although he's so likable, though he's really likable, but he hasn't done anything. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well, so all right, so Varys, uh, so. Who does Varys uh, Varys turns on Marjorie? I think he turns on Marjorie here. Okay, so Marjorie is out at final five. Okay, so final four, and we didn't get into who wins immunity or whatever. No. Uh, Do we? Should we look at that for the final four? Yeah. Who do you think? uh, I I think Jon Snow's got this. I think Jon Snow has this on lock. So I think Jon Snow's getting to the the top three. So Jon Snow wins. Jon Snow wins immunity at final four. Yeah. And then I think. what do we do? We vote out Roz here? I think that it's going to be Varys or Roz, because I think Hodor, Hodor is safe. Yeah, the, see, now Varys painted himself into a corner here because Jon Snow and Hodor are going to be working, are, are going to have a twosome. So right. Varys has got to have this on lockdown, otherwise this plan is, uh, is a problem. Well, I feel like Varys can, can make the argument that he has made the more publicly nasty moves than Roz. Uh, I feel like he's been the more aggressive player, so maybe he's going to be the guy who takes the heat yeah. in the finals. So he sort of like is in Jon Snow's ear and like, uh, well, John, if you want to win the game, then you right. obviously would take me to the end because exactly. no one will vote will vote for me that I've been I've played this game like such a jerk. Yeah, and he's also trying to you know tell him you know maybe you should get rid of Roz. She was your ally. If you just get there to the end with her, don't you? Yeah, think she that told like, me that yeah. uh, actually that you're so stupid. She wants to beat you in the finals. Yeah, but you know what? That being said, uh, those Starks in their honor, man. I think I think Jon Snow might protect Roz here. Uh, did Varys blow it? I think Varys blew oh. it. I, I think Varys is in that elite spot that's just right. outside the final. So, Var- okay, Varys is going to You can take- welcome him to the clubhouse, right? He's going to take over for Stephen Fishback on Survivor yes. Know-It-Alls. Yes. Oh, my God. All so right, so the final Varys. three... I really thought he was going to win going into the finale. I thought so, too. He looked like he had it. And, all right, the final three of Survivor Redlands is uh, that is Roz, Jon Snow, and Hodor. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, that's interesting. I think you can take Jon Snow out of the running. Well, let, think- let me give you the people from the jury, and then you tell me who uh who they're voting for okay okay so it's hodor roz 
or Jon Snow? Okay. Jamie Lannister will vote for... He'll never vote for a Stark. No. Uh, I don't think he would vote for a prostitute. Probably not. I think he would value Hodor's strength. Hodor. One vote for Hodor. Tyrion Lannister will vote for... Now, he likes Jon Snow. Yeah, uh, but he, that's, that's he established. Gotta, he's got to vote for Roz. But I think he's got to vote for Roz. Okay. I, I think that he respects her game. Yara. Uh, Yara is a Hodor fan, I believe. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Brienne of Tarth. Um, she's voting however Jamie is voting. Okay, so she, I would say that she would probably vote for Jon Snow, but if, if uh, Jamie owns her vote, then it's... Well, that's true, too, because we have talked about her connection to the Stark, so maybe, she, maybe that's the one Jon Snow vote. Okay. We'll so her- what's, the, what's the tally right All now? All right, that's two votes Hodor, one vote Roz, one vote Jon Snow. Okay. All right, Carl Drogo. She, he does whatever Danny says. Danny yeah. got Danny got burned, which is ironic, because right. uh, she can't be burned. Right. So, uh, and then she went out at the okay. So Varys flipped on them, and, and that was that was coordinated with Roz. Yes, and then and that was and that was Varys, Roz, Jon Snow, and Hodor. That was the four. I think Hodor was against her as well. So that might not be great for for Hodor. Yeah. Jon Snow was was part of Daenerys's alliance. Yeah. So. What is that? Who is she? I think she's. I feel like she's pro woman, though. I think she would like to see a woman win. She's part so of the you, woman's alliance. So you think that she's going to throw her support behind Roz, especially because you know Roz is. You know she's she comes from a from an institution where where men are in the power structure and, and women are at a disadvantage. And Danny doesn't like slavery. She doesn't like that yeah, kind of thing. Would, so I think she'd want to give her the leg up. She'd be against the sex trade. Okay. So so she Roz just got two votes. Yeah, she picked up two votes. That's three votes Roz, two votes Hodor, one vote Jon Snow, Marjorie. Marjorie had been with John for most of this. Yeah, then John Snow turned on her. Then John Snow turned on her. And I think that she's she's the kind of person who likes simple creatures. So I feel like she might throw her support behind Hodor. Hodor. Okay. And the, it all comes down to Varys once again, the kingmaker, the spider. Oh, wow. All right. So then the question here, John Snow is out of the running. John Snow has lost the rivalry. John Yeah, John Snow is in though. He has one vote. And now the question is, does Varys value the person who was making smart moves alongside him, like Roz? Or does he want to leave his stamp on the game as letting Hodor win Survivor Riverlands? 100%. He votes for Hodor because if <laughs> if Roz wins the game, then everybody's talking about this season, like, oh, what a great game that Roz, Roz played such a great game. And if Hodor wins, then people are talking about, oh, Varys should have won. Hodor just won Survivor. <laughs> it's he. This is the Fabio season of uh, Survivor Riverlands. Oh my God! Four, three, one. Uh, con- congratulations, Hodor, and he's an all. And he comes back for All Stars. He's a, such a popular character. Yeah, and he's still. People are still going to be sleeping on Hodor because he didn't do anything. That was the thing, though. But nobody ever was coming for revenge on him. That right. he was, he was a nice, he was a nice guy. He made, he made friends. He was a vote. He voted where people told him to, and nobody ever, you know, nobody ever blamed him for what happened. Yeah, you know, very talkative, very talkative, and uh, he good was listener, good listener, and uh, a night, a nice guy, and everybody was happy that he won. An asset and challenges, but not too threatening, because you know when it got to the balance stuff, not really his thing. Yeah, um, yeah, great season for Hodor. I'm happy. You know, I. 
when when someone like Varys, you know, the one who is really dominating the season strategically and and all of that, I feel like in those cases, I just want the most likable person to win. Yeah. So congratulations to Hodor, winner of Survivor Riverlands. Um, Josh, this ended up being taking up twice as much time as we thought it was going to take. <laughs> as as it often does, as your as your mother has complained in the past. <laughs> Why couldn't they have just played the Survivor season in in five minutes? Uh, it, it wasn't even a real season that they talked about. <laughs> it was it was real it was real the whole time it was real to us okay it was real to us so congr- congratulations uh congratulations to hodor oh we didn't even we skipped over the family visit oh who who was uh still around at the, so did that happen at five or six <laughs> i think it's seven at seven yeah we don't we don't have time for it but uh it would have been a great episode do do they let the non-jury people sit on the stage uh, do we get this here from like the hound and uh uh, little finger and uh, yeah, I think I think that there were good enough people this season that they like they wanted to hear from Cersei. They wanted to hear from um, yeah, they wanted to hear from the Hound. Okay. Uh, they, they certainly wanted to hear about Egret's uh, quit. Yeah, <laughs> sure. They wanted to hear all about that, and you know they needed to have their moment with with the Queen of Thorns. Yeah, I think these this was a good cast. I think they wanted them all. On you stage. know the thing about Egret. Uh, quitting the game was that she from wildlings all over they all commented on that she was such a big inspiration to her because that not too many wildlings were ever brought up to walk away from a fight right and all of the wildling children you know all of the parents of the wildlings were very proud of how Ygritte handled herself in that situation yeah she's a role model she's a, she's a role model now okay all right Josh, uh, this has been so much fun. The time has flown by, literally. And so uh, we will be back on Sunday night for our Game of Thrones Season 4 uh, recap on Post Show Recaps. Also, Josh on uh, Friday night is going to be covering... Now, I don't know if anybody's going to be done listening to this by the time that this starts. I, I highly doubt it. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put a thing in the beginning of the podcast also. Sure. Uh, so catch Josh on Friday night talking about Captain America colon uh, the Winter Soldier. Winter yes. is coming. Winter is coming. <laughs> so Winter's get, here. Get your soldiers ready. And so uh, that uh, tell us about what you're going to do on Friday night. And if, in case people are, this has already has happened and it's in the archives, tell people what they can expect when they listen to it. Sure. You could just expect that uh, we're going to be talking about the movie. I have my friend Terry Schwartz, who's an, an, an editor at uh, zap to it She's going to be joining me to talk about Captain America. We'll take your questions live. Uh, we'll talk about uh, what I think is probably the best Marvel movie that's not called The Avengers. So uh, I'm a big fan of this movie. I've seen it twice now, and uh, I'm very excited to talk about it. Okay, there you go. All right, so uh, all right, so I mean that that's it. If you made it this far, uh, God bless you. Give people a hashtag. What's what's the what's the hashtag for making to the end of this podcast? Hashtag the bastards. <laughs> the bastards. All right. There you go. So uh, check that out. Uh, of course, uh, our coverage of Game of Thrones will now move on to postshowrecaps.com. You could subscribe to that podcast at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes. Or for the Game of Thrones only feed, you can go to postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. All right, Josh. So thank you so much. And uh, we'll be back with uh, more podcasts uh, over the weekend. Take care, yes. everybody. And send your po- my apologies to your mother, please. <laughs> yes. All right. Take care. Bye.